Hi, I'm Anna Rosa Parker. And I'm Daniel Lamb, and this is Artist Inclusive, the podcast for ambitious artists who want to find clarity, community, and creative success. Today, our guest on Artist Inclusive is Belinda Weaver. Belinda Weaver helps aspiring and working copywriters and writers create successful businesses that deliver more than money. With 10 years in the business of writing, Belinda shows copywriters how to command higher rates so they can work less and enjoy more time, freedom, and career fulfillment. She's all about ditching hustle and burnout and enjoying the journey of work. As an Aussie living in California with her pug, two daughters, and husband listed in order of neediness, Belinda is obsessed with Doctor Who, English murder mysteries, and making the perfect lemon curd. Hey, Belinda. Welcome to the Artist Inclusive Podcast. We are so glad you're here today. Oh, I am equally as glad. I love, love, love what we're going to be talking about today, so I can't wait to get stuck in. Yeah, I'm very excited. Okay. And so you guys are in for a treat. Belinda has some really crazy, awesome stuff to talk to us about around habits and routines, rituals, mindfulness, a lot of really golden nuggets. So before we jump into that, can you just tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So my name is Belinda. A lot of my friends call me Bill. So if you start hearing Daniel and Anna call me Bill, it's still the same person. I help aspiring and working copywriters. I'm a copy coach. And so I help them avoid the trap of low paid work. And I help overworked copywriters regain their freedom and sanity by showing them how to charge more so they can work less. Because when you're your own boss, you shouldn't create a worse job than the one you left. So I encourage everyone to create businesses that give them freedom and career fulfillment and control of time, as well as the all important profit as well. So that's the journey I'm on as a business owner. And it's something I'm specifically helping copywriters with as well. That is amazing. Can we back up a little bit? Can you talk about you know, what you were doing before, obviously you're a copywriter before you're a copy coach, but what about before that? Were you in the corporate world? What does your journey look like? Well, I actually started off in IT. I had a very sensible career as a computer programmer and I did that for nearly 10 years. I worked in the IT industry before I realized it really was not what I was supposed to be doing at all. And I had that realization because I started working with the marketing team to explain help them explain IT concepts. And I was like, this looks like fun. So I went back to school, got my master's in marketing and then shifted into corporate marketing land. And I didn't like it very much. I didn't like it. I mean, I love the marketing work, but that's when I started to go, is this it? Is this is this me mm. now for the rest of my life? And my husband and I started talking about having kids. And then I started thinking about, well, well, what does work look like with a kid? Do I have to give up my career ambitions in order to have a family? And so I was really open to a new opportunity. And that's when I found out about copywriting. I'd been writing copy. I just didn't know it was a thing, which makes me question mm. what, what people, what is being taught to marketers these days when you can graduate as a marketer and not know the word copywriting. And so that's when it really did change my life. And I love a lot of copywriters have this moment where you, where I discovered what I should have been doing, what I could do that made me feel great, that I could do and control my own work and my own time. It could theoretically be family friendly. And 
that's when I really discovered work with passion, which is the buzzword and the cliche, but that's when it all started to click for me. That's great. I love hearing that. I Do you feel like when you look back at the time you were working in IT and then the marketing job that you didn't love, do you feel like that helps you today or or do you are you thinking like, oh, that was a waste of time or do you that got you here and you connect the dots? Like, how do you put that together? I don't think it's worth looking back going, that's a waste of time because that's like saying any life experience was a waste of time. And Mm -hmm. of course it's not. Yes, I wish I'd had a more fulfilling career earlier in my life, but- You know, that saying for so many things, the best time to start is 10 years ago. The next best time to start is now. So that's what I did. I discovered something that I love to do and I've been obsessed with it ever since. And that's good enough. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes it's like we have to go through certain things before we find the thing we love, you know. Yeah. And when we do, like so many Mm -hmm. people don't even find the thing. And so many people find the thing and then never take action on it. And that Mm -hmm. is so, so sad. So I found the thing, I took Mm -hmm. action on it, and now I'm living that life that I want for myself and I want for my kids and stuff like that. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I think you like spread that happiness, you know, that gratefulness and happiness. I feel like that comes from you. You can tell that you're in a really good place and you're running a, you know, mindful and happy business. Trying to anyway. (laughs) (laughs) When when we talk about these things, this also, for me, it brings up this idea of like the paradox of freedom, right? Because once we become free of the thing that we thought we were getting away from, we're then confronted with some new challenges. I know that's been true for me as making the transition from all sorts of different types of jobs into marketing, into freelancing, into copywriting. And so, you know, one of the things I'm always fascinated about previously on this podcast, we've talked a ton about rituals and routines and habits. I would love it if you could talk about when it comes to this freedom, like how do you manage it? And like, what is that importance of rituals and routines for you? Well, like many people, I struggled with the freedom. What I did is when I started my business and I went full time as a freelance copywriter, I just recreated the 40 hour work week at home, except then I went and added 10 to 20 more hours in the week, I was obsessed and I was excited and I wanted to make it work. The mistake I made, which I only appreciate now, was not baking in to my processes and my routines, my ideal life and my ideal working life. So I just recreated a job that I didn't particularly like, even though I liked the work. What I'm encouraging people I mentor now, because this is something I've really doubled down on, especially since 2020 happened, is this idea that you can bake into your day the things that you love to do. So when you start your own business, for example, you usually do it because you want more career fulfillment, more freedom, more choice. But often what we do is we start working and we think when I'm successful, I will have more time for myself. When I reach a revenue goal, then I will have more freedom and choice and time. But it's not true. And if you can bake those into your routines and systems as early as possible, then as you grow, those things are already there. So, you know, the routines and rituals that I have in my day are more about nourishing myself so that I can then deliver my best work. So it's things like my morning routine, my end of day routine, but also 
my end of project routine, you know, celebrating success and things like that. And I'm really mm-hmm. dialing into the small choices that I make about how I spend my time so that I'm having more fun. I'm enjoying the days. And the follow on of that is that I do better work. That's it. Yeah. Because you're happier and fulfilled. That's the thing. We, we often, you know, we tend to say like, when I get to this place, I'm going to do that. When I get to, that's the waste of time when you, instead of implementing it now as much yeah, as you can. Exactly. And because, you know, the thing is a more successful business, more money, more followers, more clients, bigger projects. Mm-hmm. And not going to give you more time and it's not going to give you more freedom. You have Mm -hmm. to have that really ritualized so that it's a muscle memory instinct for you. Exactly. Well, you mentioned like morning routine and and evening routine. Do you want to share a little bit what those are? Like what do you do? Like your rituals? Well, my morning routine is my sacred time. And that was really, you know, I've tried a lot of morning routines on basically following what other people do. I've been up at 5am. <laughs> I've tried exercising. I've done all these things. And I've really come back to the things that set me up for a great day. And so for me, I get up an hour before my kids who thankfully don't get up too early. And I have an hour to myself and I make a very large pot of tea that I get to drink all by myself. I meditate. I do some journaling, just some free stream of consciousness writing. And then I plan my day. So I get out my planner and I look at what time blocks I have to work. Because with two kids, one at Mm -hmm. home with distance learning, I don't have eight hours in the day to work. I might have an hour here, two hours there, Mm -hmm. 30 minutes here. So, you know, I work out what my day is going to look like. And then the family get up. And what that means is rather than feeling like I'm behind in the day, by 7am, I've enjoyed some tea. I've had some quiet time. I've enjoyed the quiet scratch of my pencil on my paper. And I know exactly what I'm going to be doing today. And that means when the kids get up, I'm a, just a nicer person to be around. Yeah, that's really so important, those morning, that, that morning time to give that to yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, and some people like to get up early and smash a bit of workout. Some people like to get up and go for a run. But I think it's important to go, how can I set my day up for maximum success? And what does that look like for me? Because I can tell everyone how I do it, but that may be not what works for you. And then at the end of the day, that's a routine I've really struggled with because I tend to just fit a little bit more work in and a little bit more work. And then all of a sudden I'm rushing to dinner and rushing through bedtime. And so the end of day transition activity is something I've been working on. And so I have a, I know I'm finished work when I close my apps down. I shut my laptop down. I write out my list for the next day. And then I play the ukulele for 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> you play the ukulele? I love that. I'm trying to. I'm not very good, but that's something I'm like, I want to, I needed something that would switch my brain mm. completely off work. And yeah. then I get into my evening and I'm not still in the work zone because it's very hard mm. for me to switch off. So yeah. I try and do these things like, how can I set myself up for success? And then how can I kind of force myself to switch off? This is very interesting. For you, <laughs> I know for me, finding finding the rituals and the routines is is like so important. What do you do to make them stick? Mm, this is a good one. Because I mean, as I mentioned, I've tried a lot of different routines yeah. on. And I've always thought, but because I hated getting up at 5am and working, or because I hated getting up and exercising before I've really woken up properly, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought maybe I'm just not mm. determined enough or hardworking enough or all that kind of stuff. But I've really switched that around and discovered that I had to find 
a routine that worked for me. Part of that was reading James Clear's book on atopic habits, which is brilliant. So making it stick was choosing things that I actually wanted to do. I genuinely look forward to having that hour of peace and quiet to myself at the start of the day. So even if I'm tired, I'm like, no, 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 I'm gasping for a cup of tea and this is my time. So it's worth getting out of bed for. The other way I make things stick is breaking them down, small changes, small wins. So, you know, an example is I've always struggled to exercise. So rather than trying to do 60 minutes on the bike, I started going, I'm going to do 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes of weights three times Mm -hmm. a week. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do that 20 minutes, three times a week and making it more achievable for myself makes it more likely that I will do it. And the other thing is making micro good choices. And so that for me is like, oh, I want to, I want to stop working as a default action, default reaction to having some time. But I know that comes down to some micro choices in the moment. And so, for example, the other day I thought, oh, the kids are playing. I've got 30 minutes before bedtime. Maybe I'll do a little bit of work. I'll just quickly bang out a 30 minute thing. And I thought, no, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. And I went for a walk and it was a beautiful California evening. I walked with a dog. I listened to Annie Lennox. I thought, I'm not even going to listen to a podcast. I'm just going to enjoy some music and some sunshine and some evening breeze. But that came down to making a good choice in a small moment. And I feel if I can just make good choices in those small moments, it builds up to a good habit. Yeah. And once it becomes a habit, then you're, you're, you're in a good place, obviously. I wonder if this is something, you know, also to work from the other side, those people that are building a new business, they're still in a job, you know, let's say for like the artists we're working with, if they're like want to get out of waiting tables and they want to start to build their online business, if they can use that kind of micro habit, just do a little bit, you know, each day, how that works. You know, I think that could be a a healthy because it can be very overwhelming, like just like with exercise, you know, I'm not going to work out every day for an hour, but breaking it down and to to build a habit is, I think, the the healthiest way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I do that with goals and actions and tasks as well. I just break it down Mm -hmm. into really small things because I'm like, I can do that one really small thing. And then I, because I'm a list maker, I just love to tick things off. So I set Mm -hmm. myself up to give myself the dopamine hit of getting a small thing done. Exactly. I love that. Well, I was, you know, about back to your business then. I wanted to ask you because you moved from Australia to the States. I was just wondering how that transition was because now we live in this online world. Like, did it matter? Do you think we can just la- run our online businesses anywhere and live in Dubai one year and, you know, in Denmark the next? Can we just absolutely. do that now? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's one of the things. It's the, the friction between what we want with our online businesses in a lot of ways and what we actually create. And so what we want is the laptop lifestyle where we get to live anywhere. What we create is a job that takes place at our desk for way longer than we should be working. But with my copywriting work, I've been able to go to the UK for a whole month and keep my business going Mm. and then go back to Australia. When it comes to moving to the US, when my husband got offered the job, it came down to, well, to be honest, 
it doesn't make any difference to me. I don't have to quit a job and find a job. It's just a matter of how do I make this logistically work in another country? The tech's easy, where I am doesn't matter, all that kind Mm. of stuff. What was interesting though is switching time zones meant that all the people I was previously connected to were in a completely mm-hmm. different time zone. I was awake, they were asleep. So that meant I had to invest time and effort and energy into connecting with new networks in my new time zone, which has been a wonderful mm-hmm. process. But I did have to kind of roll up my sleeves and put myself out there to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. So you're doing that in your time zone. Are you doing that mainly in California or are you working with clients all over the States? Or are you- well, I guess when I talk about time zone, I'm talking about like top half of the world, bottom half yeah, of the world. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. so yeah. one of my challenges now, it's actually nice being in the US because when I schedule calls and stuff like that, I can catch the tail end of the UK and Europe and I can catch the start mm-hmm. of the day in Australia. So America is this nice little middle zone, but... It's that top and tail effort. But when I'm speaking to people during the day, it's mostly people in the States. But it just means I have to be a bit more thoughtful when I'm scheduling mentoring calls or clubhouse rooms and things like that, because I know what it's like to live in the UK and Australia and feel totally disconnected with some really exciting stuff that happens in the in the US. And quite frankly, I am not getting up at 2 a.m. for a coaching call. I don't care how cool you are. (laughs) And so I try and make the work that I do accessible to as many time zones as possible by just being thoughtful about it. Yeah, Yeah, that's so intense. Yeah, I I remember I was at a conference and somebody was presenting and dialing in from Australia and it was like two o'clock in the morning for them. And I was just like, wow, that's very gracious to show up and do a uh, a talk at 2 a.m. I would be asleep and I would have said no personally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it has to be a really good gig, I think, to get up at two in the yeah. morning. No, it was a good but gig. But I love yeah. how accessible the digital space makes our work. Mm-hmm. It is very cool that we can do that. But there's also the physical nature of where we work. There was some, those surprising knock-on effect of meeting people yeah. in real life. Yeah. I mean, both Daniel and I both worked in advertising agencies and I'm just wondering, like, is everybody really going back? Like in New York City, people are still working from home. And I think it's just going to be more and more like that, maybe half time, like people going in a couple of times a week or something like that. But I mean, hey, we love it. We can we can work from anywhere. And and that's what we're also working with our artists on, like just to believe that, that you can actually do that. Oh, 100%. I mean, but what's a surprising challenge that I think a lot of the regular workforce discovered in air quotes is things that as freelancers, we've known all along, you have to structure your day. You have to have some routines that motivate you. You also have to understand how you are motivated to get stuff done. And you have to stay focused and productive yeah. in a way that it's probably been spotlighted for a lot of people in a way they weren't aware of when they could just go to the kitchen and stop by someone's desk and have a bit of a chat. And there's also the flip Mm -hmm. side of actually getting your social interaction. So how do you stay motivated and focused, but also how do you Mm -hmm. still get the kind of social connections that as a human we need? Yeah, exactly. You said something interesting. How, how do we, yeah. How do we find out how we, how we motivate? You said we have to find out how we motivate. Like, how do we find out? It comes down to fear or reward. Like Mm. how, what makes you go, well, I'm going to get this done. For me, I'm motivated by reward. I like people to pat me on the head and say, well done, Belinda, you did a really good job. And 
I'm not very proud of that, but I know that's something that motivates me. So I build that into my end of work routine. It might be sharing something that I'm proud of. So random strangers on the internet can say, well done, you did a great job. <laughs> but there's other, I'm also motivated by treats. I'm like a pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. You know, what it means is as part of my work, buying yeah. myself things as rewards. Mm-hmm. But some people need a penalty, the the fear of what won't happen if they don't get stuff done, which doesn't really work for me. But that's that's the thing. You've got to figure out how you switch into action gear. And maybe it's like false deadlines is how you, the fear of not getting it done. So you build in false deadlines or it's a reward. So you share the progress and you get internet love. But di- at least knowing how that works for you can help you build in little mechanisms to keep that momentum flowing. Yeah, that's that's really clever. We'll definitely keep that in mind going it's forward. It's just an excuse to buy myself treats, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I'm probably more reward motivated too. A scary deadline doesn't really bother me and it doesn't really make me motivated to do anything. But if I know that the thing that I'm working on actually mattered to somebody and made a difference, then that gives me, you know, gives me a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Yeah. And that's the thing, energy and excitement, not the compulsion to complete it, but what makes you go, yeah, I'm getting stuck into this. And then there's like that. I mean, I, I'm motivated. Of, I want to do good work. And from the agencies, there's still that mentality, you know, create famous work, create that the best work kind of a thing. And which is not a really healthy mindset because you're never done. Yeah. And perfectionism is a, is yeah, a really real trap. It really pipes up the closer we get to finishing. Yeah. The closer we get to making progress. That's when perfectionism goes, Oh, you're not quite done yet. Yeah. I, I live with that still there. So I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't know how many letters, I guess I could count seven letter word that we've been dancing around when it comes to, all of these things and the reasons behind them that we're doing to structure our lives and our time. Can we talk a bit about burnout? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, burnout, my friend. Yeah, it's real because, I mean, as I said, like I just got out of the corporate world and created another job for myself. I didn't see that's what I was doing. I thought I was being professional and I thought I was being hardworking and I thought hard work meant rewards. So the harder I worked, the rewards would eventually come. And it just meant that I lurched from one cycle of hard work, burnout, recovered, got into the same thing again. And it's taken, it took a few years for me to go, hang on, I'm just... I'm repeating the same cycle over and over again. And I mean, I've never experienced true, true burnout. I've just got really, really tired and sick of what I'm doing. I appreciate that true burnout is a much stronger physical thing, you know, in the same way depression is different to feeling a bit down. So I want to make that distinction, but I've still felt it really keenly, which is why definitely in the last few years, I've started paying attention to self-care. And that's not, sometimes my husband laughs at me because I'm like, I'm all about me tonight. And so I'm like, look at how relaxed I am. I'm doing a face mask in the bath and I'm watching TV with a podcast playing. I'm doing all the things that relax me. I'm so relaxed. (laughs) And so I've shifted away from that mode to more like 
how can I have a nice chilled morning? Because I know that makes me feel good. How can I do enough exercise to keep a strong and healthy body? Because I know that makes me feel good. How can Mm -hmm. I stop sabotaging my sleep? Because I love sleep. Because I know that makes me feel good. And so that is something I've really, really started paying more attention to in the way that right now I have a lot to do. Self-imposed deadlines for things that I need to create which takes a lot of energy for me. The creation process is very intensive. So what Mm -hmm. I'm doing is I'm doubling up on the things that make me feel good. It's like a hangover. Burnout isn't fun. No one wants to do that. But unless you take small steps and make good choices along the way, that's where you end up. So there's a little bit of self-awareness that you need to go, how can I stop this happening again? And then you need to make small good choices that keep you on the track you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think if you implement that, just not going for too fast of a growth, just to gradually build it up, do you, don't you think that will help us if we're building from the beginning? I think so, but that's because that works for me. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a journeyman. I'm a, I'm a plotter. I just keep taking little steps forward. But for some people, they need to go at things hard, but I just, it's important to recognize that the more you put into something in terms of the more intensely your energy is spent, the more intensely your time is spent, the more time you spend, the faster you will get to a state of exhaustion. And so you just, sometimes you do have to have those binge working sessions where you're like, I got a lot to do and I'm just going to go hard, but you can't do that all the time. It's like a motorcycle engine, just being at full blast. Our bodies aren't meant to do it. It does not work creatively. And so if we're going to have those high paced sessions, we need to have a week or a couple of days where we nourish ourselves and recover. And that's what I do after big launches. I'm like, all right, now I need a downtime week just to take a couple of days off. Yeah, where I'm not creating something new. I just, I have a whole week and it's in my calendar, clear week, where I'm just kind of pottering, reviewing, analyzing, but I'm not creating anything new and I'm not starting something new. Let's maybe a little brain dead for a while. Yeah, no, I think that's so good and healthy. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense, you know, like we look at like the the lives of other types of high performers like athletes or, you know, anybody who's in like the elite physical space and they train and then they rest. Then they train and they rest. They don't just work, 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 right? The body and the mind aren't built for constantly being put under stress. Yeah. yeah. When I was in theater, like when you, the day after you closed a play or the, the day after that, I would get sick. Like you kind of just like, because you've been going, 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 and then you just have one day off and you're like, okay, I'm sick. And I didn't realize that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point, Anna, because for the first six, seven years of my running my business, I would count on getting sick every year. I would get a cold, at least one cold a year. And then I've made some changes to how I live my life. And I'm not saying I never get sick, but it was that just not taking care of myself and trying to run at full pace because it's really easy to think we're behind. We look at other people and we're like, oh, that's where I want to get to. And therefore I am starting from a position of behind and we're always trying to catch up and we just work too hard. And then we're sudden 10 years later, what fun have I had? Like, that's not yeah. the point. It's not the point. No. And comparison is like, that's one of the worst yeah. comparing ourselves. Yeah, I think there's a line, I don't know, probably the Bible or some other text like that that says comparison is a thief of joy. You know, that's, I think that's so important. I think especially for, for creatives and artists, because a lot of times we get our 
validation from either people paying attention to what we make or we get it from being celebrated for something that we did or achieving some sort of revenue goal or financial pillar milestone. And like whenever I've hit something in my business or in my life where I, where I'm like, okay, that was a previous goal of mine or a big thing. It's a moving target, right? It just becomes the new baseline and it's no longer special or important. It's like, now that's just a thing. And one day I'll be there just jumps into another future. It's like a teleportation thing where you like, you show up and you think you've found it and then it just jumps away from you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, it can be useful to put things. I'm a big sticky note girl. I put things up that I want to look at and be reminded of. And I think it can be useful to have those kind of goals that you want to get to, even aspirational, have them up so that when you get there, you get to cross it off or or pay attention to it. Because for me, whenever, like you, Daniel, whenever I've reached them, it's been a non-event. But when you think back and go, this is where I started from and this is where I am, it's remarkable. Any steps forward is remarkable, but we just skate over them because we're always on to the next thing. Yeah. Celebrate. I think that's a good, that's a good note to end on just to celebrate. Sometimes I used to say that to my husband. I was like, Hey, are we celebrating? He's like, yeah. So then we're just celebrating. It's like, it's it's a little bit of a shift. Then it would last for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have to recognize when we've done good work or hard work or whether we've stopped work, because that gives us the emotional little hit to go, oh, this is an end. And this is a reward, a little celebration reward. And that's what keeps us creatively sustained. But if we just keep moving on, then we're back at burnout again. That's just no fun. No. So celebrating, treating ourselves well, really, you know, marking those milestones, recognize the the work we do. Mm. Okay. Well, this has been lovely. So before we wrap up, Bill, could you give us a little bit of a preview of like your community, your program, like how people can connect with you? Yeah, sure. So my website, my business is called Copyright Matters. So that's Right with a W. We're not trademarking here. And so my website's called copyrightmatters.com. And that's where people can go and find out about me. I help aspiring and working copywriters and I have a copywriting course and I have a coaching membership as well called Confident Copywriting. And that's really where people who are looking at becoming copywriters can find their way in and find themselves nurtured and growing with coaching by me. But I have a free Facebook group called For the Love of Copy, and that is open to all word nerds, business owners, other creatives. Just if you, if the idea of finding the right word in the sentence kind of tickles you a bit, that's a great group to find. I just applied to get in. Hopefully I get in. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Like the exclusive choosing process. I, I hope they you rejected. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been so good. It's so good to meet you. Thank you for having me and asking great questions. I really love talking about this stuff because it's important that we think about the work we do, that we have more fun doing it, and that we do our best to do the capital G good work that's in us. Our conversation with Belinda was really eye-opening for me, Anna, and I think it was for you too. The biggest thing that really stuck out to me was how intentional she is about the way she goes about doing things in her life and in her business. One of the things that I've had to learn the hard way is reconstructing boundaries around my time out of nothing 
because when I've worked in a job situation, there was a beginning and an end to work. But without that structure in place, it's easy to just kind of be always on or never really truly off. And so, you know, the thing about having a distinctive start of my day routine and end of my day routine to have like that signaling in my brain that this is what I'm doing now is really valuable because, yeah, for a long time I was just in that too. And I think it's just a great reminder for how we can honor ourselves, take good care of ourselves as we do this whole professional work. Yeah. I just loved how she's just figured it out so well, what works for her and, and really gotten out of that pattern of thinking that what works for others is going to work for your, for yourself. And, and, you know, there was a time where she questioned like if she was determined enough or she worked hard enough because it didn't work for her to get up at four at five in the morning and work out. But then she found her own routine and rituals and that was really inspiring. And she really just knows how to take care of herself and her family. And I just, I love how she does her like those micro choices and, and is obviously reminding herself, you know, often when she's making choices, like what is she going to do? Is she plumped down on the couch and, and what's something? Or like in that one moment she talked about, she took the dog out for a walk and just listened to music. And that did so much for her, made her happier. And I, I just love that. I think we could just do a little bit more of that. A hundred percent. I think coming to that realization that other people's routines aren't good for us necessarily. They might be, but taking the opportunity to have basically an ongoing experiment and finding out what we like and finding out what works. It does take time. It certainly has taken me a lot of time to kind of come to terms with the things that I've learned about productivity and the things that actually work for me in my life. Because there's a lot of advice out there about how to be productive or be a high performer. And some of it's not very good and some of it is very good. And so like figuring it out is, I think, part of the Part of the fun of the journey, but it's also part of the frustration. The one, the other thing that really, that really stuck out to me was the idea that she could not take it so seriously at the same time about her like relaxing and she's not super aggressive about how chill she's going to get right now. Being able to approach work and leisure and relaxation with a, an attitude of openness as opposed to very strong, narrow, and constricted. 100%. I mean, because sometimes I, I'm reading about somebody or, you know, their their morning routines. I love whether it's Ariana Huffington or, you know, somebody on Goop or whatever. You see these, you know, schedules and rituals and, and it's so inspiring, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And Belinda has done a really good job of just testing her own rituals and been really intentional about trying out different things, what works and doesn't, and then not comparing ourselves to others. The Artist Inclusive Podcast is brought to you by the Artist Inclusive Facebook group and artistinclusive.com. Learn more about Artist Inclusive at our website or join our free Facebook group. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts and share this message with somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast. This is how we are able to reach more engaged and impactful artists just like you.